1: All right, guys, well, welcome back to the Equipping You in Grace podcast. My name is Dave, and I'm the host for this show. And today we're going to talk about something that is really, really important. And in the coming days and months and years ahead, uh, we're going to be talking about on this show a lot. And th- I want to talk about that for just a minute with you about why we should do get engage as Christians On worldview issues, and and the reason, very simply, is this: Um, the reason is is because we are called as Christians. uh, We are commanded um, by the Lord to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength, and to love our neighbor. And part of loving our neighbor is, is is to engage with our our neighbor. Now. What what I'm going to talk about here today, it it has to do with this engagement. It matters that we reach our neighbor. We are to make disciples who make disciples of the nations. And as we do so, we are not to compromise. We are to be faithful to the Word of God. Now, some of the things that uh, I'm going to talk about on this show, I do not recommend that you have your kids listening Uh, Or watching this episode. I want to be clear about that up front with you. When I do an episode like this, I don't think that uh, I would use your discretion um, as a parent. If you have your kids listen or watch this show, please use your discretion. Because we are going to be talking, I'm not going to be uh, talking in a a way that is X-rated at all, even pg but the matters in which we are talking about today are definitely adult uh, content in that uh, related because they, they pertain to the design of men and women made in the image and likeness of God. And I'm going to talk on this episode with you about uh, gender and sexual fluidity. And what I mean by that is I'm going to talk about homosexuality. And I'm going to talk with you about where our culture is headed on that subject. And uh, this is really an important subject uh, that I want to hit more on this show, especially because we as Christians, we need to be well-informed. Your parents need to be well-informed. Pastors need to be well-informed. We need to be equipped. Maybe you don't have have the time to watch the news. You know what? I, I don't like the news. I don't enjoy watching the news. I don't enjoy keeping up with those things. But uh, as Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones once said, we need to have a Bible in one hand and a newspaper in the other. The Bible is, is, is provides, as Carl F.H. Henry uh, said, a, a, a worldview, a way in which to see the world and the lens through which to view that world. And that is the spirit in which I'm doing this episode now, I'm recording this episode on July 20th. That's a Wednesday. This episode, you're going to be listening or watching this episode on July 20th when it will go up. And the House of Representatives on Tuesday, July 19th, they passed a bill to codify this the right to same-sex and interracial marriage in the wake of the Supreme Court's reversal of Roe v. Wade with one just writing one justice writing that the right to same sex marriage should be reversed and so they they took a proactive approach now when this airs we might have the senate coming out and uh, uh, we might i might comment further on that and in the days to come I definitely will the final vote in the house was 267 to 157 with 47 Republicans joining every Democrat in a majority. I'm going to read that list later, but uh, the, the chamber erupted in praise as a final tally came in. Notable among those who voted was uh, Re- Republican Liz Cheney of Wyoming. She broke from her past stance on the issue, which publicly put her at odds with her parents and her sister, uh, who is gay. In 2001, Cheney reversed her opinion and said she was wrong. By contrast, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy of California voted no on the legislation. Uh, Republican Jerry Nadler, a Democrat from New York, kicked off the debate of the bill, which was called the Respect for Marriage Act, which would prevent state discrimination related related to marriage uh, based on sex, race, ethnicity or national origin and they would also repeal the defense of marriage act which was found to be unconstitutional by the supreme court the legislation nadler said would reaffirm that marriage equality is a must and must remain uh, the law of the land now when they when they say marriage equality what they mean is that anybody a man can marry a man a woman can marry a woman and any any mix of that combination that for them is marriage equality. For the Christian, in a biblical worldview, the answer to that is no. The answer is, is that only a man and a woman can be married. Uh, God created uh, Adam first, and then he took from, you know, Adam's rib and made Eve. That's in Genesis 1 through 2. And so the reason that, in a, in a biblical worldview, that a, that a Christian doesn't support a man being with a man and a woman being with a woman in any number of comb- combinations or even transgenderism or the, the, the now that the thing is uh, the, the gender pronoun thing. Uh, the reason that we don't support that is because God is the one who created life. He is the one who made Adam from the dust, right? Genesis 1 and 2. And then, as I said, he, he uh, made... Uh, Eve from Adam's rib. And so from a biblical worldview, God clearly states and defines what a man is made in his image and a woman made in the image of God. And so this is not unclear. The Bible is explicitly clear about what a man is and what a woman is. And he's also clear about the very definition of what marriage is about, God is that is that marriage is between one man and one woman for life under God. They are in covenant with each other. And now as we continue on with this, uh, this story developing story about this bill and now c- concern among some lawmakers and advocates about the legal fate of the same-sex marriage amounted after Justice Clarence Thomas' concurrence in the Supreme Court ruling in Dobbs versus Jackson. This Reversed uh, Roe last month in a separate opinion from the majority. Thomas wrote that the court should next revisit its opinion in Obergefell versus Hodge from 2015, which guaranteed nationwide same-sex marriage rights. The the court's uh, majority took pains to note its decision to overturn Roe versus uh, to overturn Roe. And that shouldn't be seen as an indicative of indication, I should say, of future rulings. Thomas's separate opinion, it caused alarm among those who believe that same-sex marriage uh, is right and they support it. House Democrats have set votes on multiple bills to codify rights that were not spelled out in the Constitution, but were granted at least for a period of time in Roe's case by the Supreme Court rulings. House Majority Leader Sten Hoyer said this The House, uh, the Supreme Court's extremist and precedent-setting, a precedent-ignoring decision in Dobbs versus Jackson has shown us why it's critical to ensure that federal law protects those whose constitutional rights might be threatened by Republican-controlled state legislatures, she says. And following Nadler's introduction to the marriage bill Tuesday, Republican. Rep. Jim Gordon of Ohio called the proposal in a, in a, an attempt to intimidate the Supreme Court and said the threat to same-sex marriage was a manufactured crisis, accusing Democrats of using the legislation as a political tool, he says. And Jordan further elaborates, saying Democrats can't run on their disastrous record. They, can, they can't run on any accomplishment less than four months before an election. And both he and Louisiana Republican Representative Mike Johnson said there was no need for the bill. And now they're pushed back on the notion uh, that a Obergefell was solidified and that the bill was unnecessary saying this, if that decision is not overturned, this bill is unnecessary uh, but harmless. If that decision is overturned, this bill is crucial. And we don't know what the court is going to do, he says. Now, House Republican Minority Whip Steve Scalise uh, said at a press conference Tuesday morning that Republicans will be free to make their own decision on the bill, reflecting in part how the politics around the issue have shifted for the GOP in the seven years since Obergefell. Polling shows that Americans have become increasingly supportive of same-sex marriage. He says that every member obviously is going to have to make their own vote on that. In a showing of Republican backing for the bill, uh, New York Republican uh, Nicole Malitokas, excuse me for mispronouncing her name, indicated her support shortly before the debate began. And she said this, Today I will vote to codify same-sex marriage to ensure our fellow Americans continue to have the right to equal marriage and benefits under the federal law. She said in a statement, After expressing regret for our previous vote, against the legalization of same-sex marriage in New York when she served in the state assembly. After being passed in the House, the bill moved to a a split Senate where Republican support is possible too if fragmented. It's unclear when the upper chamber will take this issue up given its other business and uh, the recess that they're going to have here soon. Now, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer has promised to look at everything that we can do to deal with these issues but he has not commented on this bill before the Senate leaves for August. He says, excuse me, he says this, I've made clear my support for gay marriage years ago. I will look at what the House is doing and see what that might might, might mean here on the Senate side. Republican Senator Lisa Murkowski of Alaska said Tuesday morning, she also listed the Supreme Court's pro-abortion access rulings and its ruling guaranteeing contraceptives uh, for marriage couples as rights she would like to see codified. Democrat leaders in the House this week said they'll vote on a bill codifying contraceptive access. Now, Senators Bill Cassidy, a Republican out of Louisiana, criticized Democrats' framing of the same-sex proposal, but stopped short of saying how he would vote on it. it- it's obvious, he says, set a law right now. This is A pure messaging bill by a party that has failed on substantive issues, be it inflation, crime, the southern border, now are looking for cultural issues in order to somehow do better in November, he says. Senator John Thume, a a Republican out of South Dakota, said the marriage bill would likely draw a mixed bag of Republican votes. And so the, the proposal was introduced Monday by a bipartisan group, including uh, Republican Senator Susan Collins of Maine. 47 Republicans uh, joined all the Democrats in supporting the measure in the House. These Republicans uh, are Republican Kelly Armstrong of North Dakota, Don Bacon of Nebraska, Cliff Benz of Oregon, uh, Ken Calvert of California, Kate Kamek of Florida, uh, Mike Carey of Ohio, Liz Cheney of Wyoming, John Curtis of Utah, Rodney Davis of Illinois, Mario diaz Bullart Bl- of Florida, Tom Emmer of Minnesota, Brian Fitzpatrick of Pennsylvania, Andrew, Gar- Andrew Garbanio of New York, Mark- uh, Mike Garcia of California, Carlos Gimiez of Florida, Tony Gonzalez of Texas, Anthony Gonzalez of Ohio, Ashley Hinson of Ohio, Daryl Issa of California. Let's see. Um, Chris Jacobs of New York. Uh, David Joyce of Ohio. John Cato of New York. Adam Kinzinger of Illinois. Nancy Mace of South Carolina. Uh, Nicole Malakatas of New York. Again, my apologies for butchering her name. Uh, Brian Mass of Florida. Peter Mehar of Michigan. Dan Muser of Pennsylvania. Marionette Miller-Meeks of Iowa. Uh, Blake Moore of Utah, Dan Newhouse of Washington, uh, Jay uh, Obernolt of California, Burgess Owens of Utah, Scott Perry of Pennsylvania, Tom Rice of of South Carolina, Mariah Elvia Salazar of Florida, Mike Simpson of Ohio, or Mike Simpson. Let me start over there. Mike Simpson of Idaho, Elise Stefanik of New York, Brian Steele of Wisconsin. Chris Stewart of Utah, Mike Turner of Ohio, Fred Upton of Michigan, David Valadu of California, Jefferson Van Drew of New Jersey, uh, Ann Wegner of Missouri, uh, Michael Waltz of Florida, and Lee Zeldin of of New York. These are the 47 uh, Republicans that joined the Democrats in supporting this measure. Now, let me give a bit of history here um, to to understand where this issue comes from. Because issues come from places. And understanding the history of how we came to this particular point uh, is really, really important. On on, uh, April 1st of 2001, the Netherlands became the first nation to legalize same-sex marriage. Since then, massive changes have swept across different nations and most Western countries now allow same-sex marriage to be legal. In 2015, the United States Supreme Court mandated that the same-sex marriage be legal in all 50 states in Obergefell versus Hodge. The, the ruling was controversial because the majority of states have laws limiting marriage to one man and one woman as the Bible defines it. Laws usually passed by a referendum of citizens themselves, right? Many Christians consider the Burgerfeld decision a case of judicial overreach, and they hope to see it overruled by a more conservative uh, court at some point, which is what uh, Supreme Court Justice Thomas was hinting at. He wants to overturn it. Now, there's another law that you might not be aware of, or maybe you are, but it's been a few years. This this law is the Equality Act. Uh, It's H.R. 5 it passed the U.S. House of Representatives on May 20th, 2019. This bill really tells us the agenda behind the agenda. Uh, Madeleine Kearns in an article titled The Equality Act as a Time Bomb in the Nat Written in the National Review, May 20th of 2019, she says this. The sweeping legislation would amend the Civil Rights Act of 1964 to include sexual orientation and gender identity as protected characteristics. Under the guise of anti-discrimination protection, the bill redefines sex to include gender identity, undermines religious freedom, gives males who identify as females the right to women's space, and sets a dangerous political precedent for the medicalization of gender-confused youth. And here's why this is so important. And I've said it already before. God created marriage. He created it between one man and one woman for life under God. God did not make a man to be a woman. He didn't make a woman to be a man. He didn't make us so that we would have gender confusion or to have gender pronouns. Nor did he make us to be transgender. He made a man to be a man and a woman to be a woman. God specifically assigned man a specific gender and woman a specific gender. The reason that I have to say it that way today is because of the cultural climate in which we have transgenderism coming up and been there for a while, and we have now gender pronouns, people's quote unquote preferred pronouns. We live in a time when the definition of of gender and sexuality are seemingly fluid, dear Christian. But remember, remember this. You have a sufficient and you have a binding word in the scriptures that explicitly define what a man and a woman are and what marriage is between one man and one woman for life under God. And now this is... What I just said is, is absolutely vital, because what comes next is, is also we need to understand. In recent years, we've seen the, uh, the increase of support leading to the Obergefell decision to alter and to alter the Obergefell decision. In 2004, only 31% of Americans favored same-sex marriage. By 2019, support had grown to more than 60% of Americans. One in six Gen Z young adults identifies as LGBTQ, uh, according to the Gallup data from 2020. Amongst Gen Z who identify as LGBTQ, uh, 72% say they are uh, bisexual, which means 12% of all Gen Z adults identify as bisexual. By contract, about half of millennials. The next generation older who identify as LGBTQ say they are bisexual. And my dear friend, this is why it matters. It matters, dear Christian, that you stand on the word that you say you believe. As Christians, we believe that the word of God is reliable. We believe that it's trustworthy. We believe that it's clear. We believe that it is sufficient, that it is for every phase and every aspect of our lives and that it is binding on our lives. And so, since we believe that, we must believe what Genesis 1, Genesis 2, Ephesians 5, and many, many other texts teach about marriage. And they all those texts define marriage as what between one man and one woman for life under God. God's ideal, His expectation, His standard, if you will, is that one man and one woman will be married for life. And it matters further how we as Christians handle the word of God. In 2 Timothy 2.15, we are commanded to rightly handle the word of God because we believe the Bible. And by the way, just, just a word on this, and we're going to talk about this more in the coming days ahead, but Titus one two very clearly states that God never lies. That means that behind the, the Bible that you believe is the, is the God that, who inspired the Bible. Now, God's character is absolutely holy. And God cannot, since God is holy, he cannot sin. And so the Bible is not only reliable, it's not only without error, it's without the possibility of error because God can never err. And this is such a a huge, huge point that I just made. And we're going to talk about this. And as I mentioned in future episodes, uh, explaining that idea that I just mentioned before uh, again. But the reason that this is so important, what I just said, the Bible being without error and without the possibility of error, which is inerrancy and infallibility, which we'll get into those terms in future episodes. But the reason that it's so important to understand these ideas is because what these ideas do is they impact your understanding and how you're going to approach the Bible, how you're going to deal with especially with these issues on gender and sexuality we have seen people uh, in the last 50 years or so cave cave on on what the Bible says about one man and one woman being married because they don't like it they don't believe it so so they 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 gloss over those parts of the Bible while they emphasize other parts and by the way all of this is done under the guise of love. Well, let me be clear about something. Ephesians 4.15 clearly states that as Christians, we are to speak the truth in love. In Jude 3, we are to contend for the faith once for all delivered to the saints. And in 1 Peter 3.15, we are to give an answer for the reason for our hope and to do so with gentleness and respect. And so we deal, honestly, we deal genuinely with people's arguments and we present evidence and we go to texts of scripture. We come back to the Bible to explain texts. So what, I, what I've done here today, just to clarify, by giving this evidence, what I'm trying to show you is we have real issues in the culture. And now we, now we need to come back to the Bible because we don't just show those, those alarming things for, for no reason. These are these stats, this information that I gave you about what's happening in our culture, it's it's something that is happening. It's happening. We as Christians need to be armed with the truth of scripture. And we need to not compromise. We need to not fudge. We need to not rip this part of our Bible Genesis 1 and 2, Ephesians 5, and so many other texts out of our Bibles. We need to stand on the word of God. We need to stand on it. We need to teach it. We need to contend for the truth. Because at stake, really, friend, isn't just the definition of marriage. It's the definition of marriage moving forward. Make no mistake about that. Let me say that again. It's not just the definition of marriage presently. It's the definition of marriage moving forward into the future. That means that your kids are going to have a different definition of of marriage moving forward. They're going to be taught... In public schools, and in in, in in every on the on the on social media, in in articles and so on and so forth, they're going to be. Our culture is always discipling, never friends. Every single person is a theologian, as R.C. Sproul said. The only question is is whether they're a good theologian or a bad theologian. In this case, the the theology being uh, being uh propagated by our culture is utter poison. It offers nothing in the way that can edify, nothing in the way that can encourage it. It stands diametrically opposed to a biblical worldview. You see, the one who creates life, God, he gets to define not only the terms, but also the guardrails, and he gets to define the expectations. You don't get to say to God, God, you don't get to define who and what I am. No, The one who created you, the one who sustains this world, the one who provides for you, the one, by the way, you're breathing, by the way, it's because of God. Because God is the one who provides the ability for the, he orders and upholds and governs the cosmos. And by the way, if, if that's not enough for you, here's another fact for you. Our God, he knows your thoughts, he knows the length of your days, he knows the motivation of your heart. So, Guess what? We are owned by virtue of the Lord being God. He's the one who created us. He created us in His image and His likeness. Psalm one thirty nine very clearly says that you were knit together in your mother's womb. How else? How much? How much more in detail do you need? This is the Bible. God is explicit about the beginning of life and the end of life and everything in between. So the one who is explicitly clear about what a man is, and what a woman is, and about what marriage is, yes, guess what? He gets to define the terms. He gets to set the, the boundaries. He gets to set the expectation. Now, the last thing that I want to be heard is saying, and, and I've said this so many times over the last 20 years, all sin is sin. All sin is sin. That means that there are no degrees of sin. That means what I mean specifically is it's not homosexual sin is the worst. Pornography is the worst. Uh, Sleeping outside the bounds of of marriage is is a sin. But but that's not the worst sin. The Bible is very clear in Romans 3.23 and 6.23 that all have fallen short of the glory of God. And that's why we are in need of rescue. In fact, even just after Adam and Eve fell, guess what? God promised in Genesis 3.15 to send one in Christ who would redeem man from his sin. And this story plays out in the Old Testament. We see or we see the one prophesied, the suffering servant in Isaiah 53. We see it throughout the Psalms of, of Christ who has to come. And here's the thing, Christ has come. Christ came under the sentence of death as a sinless substitute to pay the penalty that you and I justly deserve. And he was buried and he rose again. That means that there is that all, all outside of the salvation, that all those who are outside of the salvation that Christ alone provides, all stand guilty. All stand in need of the redemption and the reconciliation and the hope that only Christ alone can offer. And make no mistake about it, that's what's at issue. What, what's also at issue is, is the fact that the Bible stands diametrically opposed to the agenda of our culture. And we know this to be true because, you know what, Satan is a diabolical deceiver. He is a conniving liar. And he, w- he wants to twist and pervert the truth of gender and sexuality and he is, and it, and it seems like he's winning. But here's the here's the thing, dear Christian, I want you to get, and I want you to get it well. You have a better word than the word of our culture. God you the Holy Spirit uses the word to convict sinners of their sin. And to he takes that word as we faithfully proclaim it, and he he uses it to draw sinners to salvation. To convert them, and so we must, as Christians, we must be faithful to the revealed word. We must be faithful to the sixty-six books of the Word of God. We must not fudge. And by the way, our witness matters. This is why it matters how how you're raising your children. This is why it matters why white men how you're loving your your wife that this this matters because it's a reflection. These things are a reflection of your love for your Savior, wives. It's absolutely a matter of of godly love to show honor and respect to your husband, as as uh, the Bible instructs, as they lead you and your children in a manner that honors and glorifies Christ. You see, this matters. It matters that we rightly handle the Word of God. It matters whether you're a parent. Whether you're a pastor, whether you're a teacher at school, it matters. Every single Christian needs to stand on the Word of God. We need to understand the issues going on in our day, but we need to see and process those issues. As as I began this episode, saying through a biblical worldview and a biblical life view is, and that means that we need to be in our Bibles. We need to read our Bibles. We need to study our Bibles. We need to meditate on the word of God. We need to apply the Bible to our life. We need to be hearing the word in our local churches. We need to be taking in the sermon and repenting of any any sin as the Holy Spirit takes the word. And uh, these are these are very important things. Uh, obedience is absolutely critical in our lives. It's critical to our spiritual growth. God commands us in 2 Peter 3:18 to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord jesus christ so we are to grow in the lord we are to grow and we are to grow personally through the reading and the study and the meditation the memorization and the applying of god's word but we're also to grow in our local church we see this over 50 times in the new testament these one another passages they define and they give shape to uh, what life in the local church looks like and so these things really matter They matter. It matters what you do on these issues, on on issues of gender and sexual uh, fluidity. Because the Bible is explicitly clear, as I've said, about these matters. It is absolutely clear. The Bible is clear. A man is a man, and a woman is a woman. And God created a man for one woman, and one woman for one man. For life. For life. That's how God defines it. God is the one, as I said, who creates life, who sustains life. And so he gets to set the expectation. He gets to set the boundaries. He gets to set the rules. And many people in our day, they don't like these. They don't like these. Uh, They call it antiquated ideas. And they want to do away with it. They want to make it illegal. They want to do away with talking about what they view as traditional marriage values. What they want to do, make no mistake about it, they don't want us to talk about this. They want unfettered access to your child through their smartphone at school. This is why you as a parent, if you're a parent, if you're if you're in youth ministry, if you're a pastor, if you're a teacher, you need to be on guard. You need to be on guard. You need to be teaching. the. If you're a parent, you need to be teaching your child what the bible says about these things. I I had a friend the other day tell me he's a biblical counselor and this appalled me. But he was telling me that he was working he's working with, you know, adults and they were sharing with him that as far back as 8 they were first introduced to sexual sin. And and you know what? The statistics about this bear that out. Kids today are introduced earlier and earlier even before purity to sexual, they're being instructed about the normalization in their in our according to our culture the quote unquote normalization of same sex marriage, and that's what they want. They want our culture does for our for our kids in our churches to be discipled to be taught that this is okay, and and they're doing it. They have your kids, you know, forty hours a week. Do you spend 40 hours a week with your kid? Chances are no. For 40 hours a week, they're being inundated. And then they're being inundated on their smartphone. We need to hammer this home, friends. We need ourselves as parents, as uncles, as aunts, as grandparents, grandmas, etc. and so forth. We need to be armed with the Word of God. We need to be personally being shaped and molded by the Word of God. And we, we need to disciple our families. We need to lead our families. We need to speak up. We need to use our voice. You might not think that you have much of an influence. You might not have a large podcast. You might not have a large following. But guess what? If, you have, if you're a parent and you have a boy or a young uh, a girl in your home, you have a responsibility to speak up. You have a responsibility from God to lead that child in a way that honors God and that so that they can be raised in a, in a godly home and they can be nurtured in the fear and abomination of the Lord. Those are, those are biblical things that you should be doing and you should be practically doing them, helping them to learn to read and study and meditate and memorize and apply the Bible. And, and you need to be doing that too. And you need to be doing it with other people because you need other people. You need help. This is why Titus 2 instructs older women to teach younger women and older men to teach younger men. We, you see, we need the grace of God. We need the grace of God. How do we know the grace of God? We know the grace of God because it's revealed in the Word of God. And so we must be growing in our understanding of the word of God, and we must be growing in it personally and with other people in our local churches so that as we go out, we have support, we have instruction, we have community, we have prayer support, we have people we can talk with share with share our burdens share our struggles with by the way galatians 6 1 tells us to bear each other's burdens and thus fulfill the law of christ which is what we go back to this the law of christ is a great commandment and the great commandment is given in, in many other texts in in the gospels but matthew twenty two thirty seven 37 through 40 tells us very clearly to love the lord our god with all of our heart with all of our mind and with all of our soul and to love our neighbor as ourselves. by the way. Did you know that in Galatians 5.22, at the very head of that list is love? That's what God, by the Spirit, those things God is producing in your life, by His Spirit, through the work of the Word, the things that He's producing are love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, and self-control. The fruits of the Spirit. And God is using the Word in your life to help you to grow in the Word so that you can stand on and be shaped by the word, so that you'll have a biblical worldview. And then so that you'll see the world through uh like I wear glasses, you'll be able to see the world through the lens with 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 scripture glasses. You'll be able to see the world through scripture glasses. Well, friends, there is so much to say about this. There there are so many interwoven parts into this into this discussion about a Christian response to gender and sexual fluidity, and we need to stand on the Word of God. Do not hear me say or think that this is the only episode that we are going to do talking about this, because it is not the only episode. We are going to talk about this more in the coming days and weeks ahead. As as the discussion in our culture continues, we need to be armed with the truth of God's Word, And we need to stand on the revealed Word of God. God's Word is enough. It's enough for us. It reveals very plainly, explicitly, about the person and the work of Jesus. It tells us what and who a man is and what and who a woman is. And so we do not need to compromise. We need to stand on the Word. And we need to believe the Word. Because Titus 1-2 says, God never lies. God has revealed himself in a word, and God stands behind his word. God is faithful, just, holy, perfect, and good. So we can believe the word. We can take it him at his word. And that's what I want you to do. I want you to take God at his word. I want you to stand on the word that reveals the person and the work of the Lord Jesus. And I want you to tell your tell your friends, Tell your family about the glory of Christ revealed in the Word. I want you to tell and to stand very clearly on who and what a man is and who and what a woman is from Scripture. We need that today more than ever. And let us be about this business of making disciples who make disciples from our local churches in whatever ministry, whatever vocation, wherever God has placed you, Let's do it. Let's make disciples. All for God's glory. Well, God bless you, friends. Thank you so much for listening or watching this episode of the Equipping You in Grace podcast. Until next Monday and Wednesday, God bless you and keep you.